Good morning, church. How are you doing? Good. So, as Pastor Mark said, I'm going to speak this morning uh, from one of the parables. And the parable that I'm going to speak from is the parable of the unforgiving servant, or in some translations, it's called the unmerciful servant. Um, So, if you've got your Bibles with you, um, switch them on or open them. And we are in Matthew chapter 18, and we're going from verse 21. Matthew 18, verse 21. So Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, A man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. He said, be patient with me and I will pay back everything I owe you. The servant's master took pity on him. He canceled the debt and he let him go. But when that servant went out, He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and he began to choke him and he said, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and he begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But the servant refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in and he said, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had the same mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger and exasperation, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So there's no getting away from that last scripture, folks. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your own heart. So there's no, there's no halfway measures here. So I want to talk about forgiveness today. Our faith, our lives, our future, they're built upon a foundation of grace, of mercy. It's in the songs we sing. We sang a, a song this morning. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. So it's in every part of our faith, forgiveness is interwoven. It's a thread we cannot escape from. It's a foundation we cannot but stand on. And Jesus, he died on a cross for our sins to be forgiven. We know that to be true. And now we get to live the rest of our lives, not only in relationship with God, but we actually get to spend the rest of eternity with Him as well. But there's a responsibility that comes with that, and that's, that's we have to walk out our faith and our life in a certain way. One of the many ways that we are to walk in this newfound life is that we are to be somebody who forgives. We are, somebody who to, who are, who, we are to be somebody who forgives often, who forgives regularly, and who forgives repeatedly. It's true. We extend that 
which has already been extended to us. It's simply a matter of paying it forward. It's been given to us, so we must give it to other people. But it's not always easy, is it? It's just, it's not always easy. Can we be honest? It's definitely not easy. <laughs> we can get annoyed or we can get offended or we can have a grievance with like the tiniest little thing. How many of you at some point in your life has, has been absolutely fuming over something that just, just didn't matter? Hey, you got some honest people, that's good. <laughs> and the rest of you, you're lying. <laughs> it could be a family member, it could be a colleague, it could be a partner, it could be, it could be anybody in our life. And, and, and it's the littlest thing, but if it goes unaddressed, it, it buries itself deep in our mind. It buries ourselves, it can affect our day. Can ruin a whole day. How many of you have allowed one interaction to ruin a whole day? It's, it's, it's easily done. Did you, do you ever do the thing where somebody has done something to annoy you and you're like, and they don't even know? Then I'm not telling them. <laughs> They're just going to have to know. They're going to have to figure it out. And when they ask me, is everything okay? I'm going to go, yeah. Even though it's not. And actually, if they don't know that I'm annoyed, even though I've told them that I'm not, I'm even more annoyed. Yeah, I think we've all done that, haven't we? Do you ever do the thing where you know you're going to go home and have a row with somebody so you plan the argument on the way home? <laughs> you're like, and they're going to say this, and I know what I'm going to say when they say that. And then you get in the door, and it can be really frustrating sometimes because you get in the door, you're ready to have this argument, and you say, hey, I want to talk to you about this. And they go, yeah, actually, I meant to apologize to you about that. And you're like, but I had a really good thing to say. People apologize too soon and it's not cool. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but it can be so frustrating. This is how much we hold on to the little things. This is how much we hold on to the little things. And it's, it's just, these little things we're discussing. You know, sometimes we could end up like this guy here. If we want to play this video, guys. May I have a word with you? Oh, of course, Donald. We've been getting reports of some very angry behavior on your part. What? Threatening letters, refusal to meet deadlines. Apparently, people now call you mental. Yeah. We want you to speak to a psychiatrist. Oh, no. <laughs> you don't understand. Ugh, oh, this is so silly. Um, this is all just because of the sandwich. <laughs> A sandwich? Yeah, you see, my, my sister makes these amazing turkey sandwiches. Her secret is, she puts a, an extra slice of gravy-soaked bread in the middle. I call it the moist maker. <laughs> anyway, I, I put my sandwich in the fridge over here. Oh, oh you know what? I, I'm sorry, I, I believe I ate that. You ate my sandwich? It was a simple mistake. It could happen to anyone. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> Did you confuse it with your own turkey sandwich with a moist maker? <laughs> no. Do you perhaps remember seeing a note on top of it? There may have been a, a joke or limerick of some kind. That said, it was my sandwich. <laughs> now, now calm down. Come look in my office. Uh, some of it may still be in the trash. <laughs> what? Well, it was quite large. 
church. I, I, I have to throw most of it away. You, 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 you threw my sandwich away. My sandwich. My sandwich. So, I'm proud to report that in the BCC offices, there have been no sandwich-related arguments. There's been one or two sandwich-related discussions, but no sandwich-related arguments. So look, we're having a laugh. These little things that we're discussing, we're laughing and we're, we're kind of joking about it because they're things that we share in common and we, we all do at one time or another. But isn't it remarkable just how much little things can really affect our spirit, can really affect our moods, can really affect our relationships with people? Yeah. And if they are just that, they are just little things, but they have capacity to ruin a day, to ruin a week, an entire arrangement or a relationship. We're called to forgive, but it's not always easy. Let's just put that out there right now. But how, how much more of an impact can the really serious situations have? So, relationships that break down, division, bitterness, grudge holding, it's taken down friendships, it's taken down families, it's taken down marriages, yeah. it's taken down entire ministries, it's taken down churches. How many of you know of a church that's now two churches but it used to be one church? We need not convince ourselves that we as Christians, just because we have a, a faith that champions forgiveness, doesn't mean we're immune to these things. We can easily fall into them. The first thing that we're taught as believers is forgiveness. If we spend one day as a believer in our entire life, we should get that we're supposed to forgive because yeah. we've been forgiven. Yeah. This parable is a clarion call from Jesus to his disciples about the importance of grace. We need only take a look at some of the scripture we read today. It's a stark warning. We need to let go of unforgiveness. And there's a number of reasons why. The first main reason I want to give you today is that unforgiveness it compromises our witness. It compromises our witness. The book of John, chapter 17, Jesus is praying over his church. He is speaking about the, church, the kind of church he wants us to be. And he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, O Lord, that they may be one as we are one, so that they may be brought to complete unity, that the world would know that you sent me, and that you have loved them. So what the scripture is telling us is, is without unity, we cannot represent Christ. We just can't, it cannot be done. And we cannot have unity without forgiveness, grace, mercy. We cannot have unity if we're holding on to grudges. We cannot. Typical rab rabbinical Jewish teaching at the time taught that you forgive three times. You give somebody an opportunity three times for forgiveness. So Peter would have come along to Jesus and said, how many times should we forgive, Lord? Is it seven times? Because he knows from the scriptures that seven is the number of completion and perfection. So already, just to suggest seven times, is saying, Lord, should we forgive somebody to a point of perfection? Should we be made perfect in our forgiveness? And Jesus is saying, no, not seven. Seventy-seven times, or seven times seventy, depending on your translation. So Jesus is saying, the degree and the level and the number of times that you are to forgive is beyond perfection. It's beyond counting. Yeah. It's too much that can be measured. 
You are to forgive so much that I can't actually give you a number that would make sense to you. There is not one situation in your life, not one person in your life that should be beyond your forgiveness ever. And he's mimicking the posture of God the Father. And he is asking us to show that same forgiveness. And also as well, the reason that we need to be so aware of our witnesses is we need to realize just how attractive grace is. Just how, how it draws people in. Grace, forgiveness, mercy. How many of us have ever forgiven somebody and they weren't expecting us to, to just let it go? And you're like, it's fine. And they're like, really? Ah, oh, that's so kind. You're so understanding. Thanks for your understanding. We, in our forgiveness, in our grace, in our mercy, in the image of our forgiving Father, need to be medicine to a weary world. We need to be different. It tells the world why we're different. It attracts, it draws people in, it stands out. And what happens then is people ask, why? Why are you different? And that why is an open door for people's lives to be changed. Are you here in this church? It's an open door for people's lives to be changed. So we can actually change somebody's life by the measure of grace we're willing to pour out. Because suddenly they think this God thing must have some, something good about it. It's interesting. You look at the, the root word of the word patience. So in the scripture when it says, please Lord be patient with me. The root word is pronounced makrothumeo. And it's the, same, it's the same word that is used in Corinthians where we see the scripture, love is patient, love is kind, love keeps no record of wrongs. So actually what Jesus is saying but not saying with this illustration is the kind of patience that this, this master showed, the kind of patience that this servant requested is the same kind of patience that, that we are supposed to display as believers. It's the same kind of patience and love that God displays towards us as his church, as his children. So he, he's not just saying, give me some more time. He's saying, bear with me. He's, he's calling on the character of God. Yeah. He's calling on the character of God. He's calling on his mercy. When the servant's debtor also asks for the same patience, the same mercy, he's not so fortunate. But what Jesus is saying in this parable is, you need to be merciful as I am merciful, as God is merciful. Because we need to realize as well, church, in terms of our witness to this world, if we're conflicted, we've got our eyes on each other and not our eyes on the mission. The enemy is so happy when, people, when churches split, when people fall out, when people come to worship and they sit at opposite sides of the church because they're not going to speak to each other, but they're going to worship God. We're deceiving ourselves. We are deceiving ourselves and we think the enemy worries about that stuff. We're exactly where he wants us to be when we're in conflict. How much time have we wasted as a church, as a global church? How much time have we wasted? It's too important. Second point, unforgiveness actually hinders our wholeness. It completely hinders our wholeness. Because unforgiveness, is, it's rooted in pride and it's rooted in hardness of heart. Which means it will never just be one area. You cannot harden your heart to one part of your life and one part of the thing that God might be trying to do and expect that the rest of your heart remains open to his outworking. So the moment that you harden your heart towards somebody, your growth, your you know, work that God says will be brought to completion, it's like hitting a big old pause button. Because if we harden our heart, our whole heart hardens. We 
cannot compartmentalize our heart. It's not possible. It will never just be one area. It actually compromises the integrity of our worship as well. God will not receive incomplete worship. You know worship is for God, right? You know it's not for us. I mean, we receive a lot from it, but it's not for us. It's for God. It's us ministering to God. It's us ascribing to God the glory to His name. And that when He, just to talk some worship theology for a second, when He comes and His presence is manifest, is the word that we use, it's because He is being enthroned upon the worship and the praises of His people. We, we, that worship and that praise is the grace by which we can come into God's presence and Him to dwell with us and walk amongst us and, and be present in the meetings when you really feel God's presence. That's why there's a direct correlation between God and the power with which he falls in these type of meetings, or even just at home in our lives, and how our heart is. And let me tell you that God will not receive half-hearted, incomplete, or compromised worship. So if you have an argument with somebody, somebody that you are refusing to engage on a journey of forgiveness with, even just with God, then you can come and you can worship every Sunday, and I'm telling you, you are deceived because God does not receive and will not be enthroned upon half-hearted, compromised worship. The word even talks about it. It talks about it in Ephesians. It says, if you come to the altar with an offering and you, and you realize that your brother has a quarrel with you or, or you have a conflict with a brother, go away, be reconciled, and then bring your offering back. There is no equivocating with that statement. It means what it means. Our worship, our compromised worship will not be received. It's not just the song we sing. It's the life we live. Worship is a heart posture. It's expressed from a heart posture. It is the life that we live and singing a song is just part of it. So don't believe for a minute that you can come, sing songs, give glory to God, but hold on to unforgiveness in your heart. It just won't happen. Galatians chapter 6, I believe, talks about this, where it says, For if anyone who thinks of themselves something when they are nothing, they deceive themselves. And it also says that when we have somebody who has sinned or sinned against us, that we are to restore that person gently. So let me just tell you what that means. That means not only do we have an obligation, a responsibility to forgive, but actually, in many cases, we have an obligation and a responsibility to restore. So what that means is we cannot just decide that person, we forgive them, that's it, we're done. We actually have a responsibility to gently restore our brother or our sister and say, hey, this is what I think you need to work on. Hey, I love you. Hey, I forgive you. Let's work on this area. Where did that come from? We have an opportunity and an obligation to really restore our brothers and our sisters. So let's not kid ourselves and call what is actually unforgiveness good boundaries. Now sometimes boundaries are required. I'm not saying that's not true. It's true. Sometimes you need good boundaries. And there, there's somebody who, there may be somebody in your life who actually to open up the door and invite them back into your life would actually be a, 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 an unwise thing to do. But that does not mean that you can't forgive them. You can forgive them. In fact, we're obliged to. And also, really practically, when we're talking about our wholeness and holding on to unforgiveness, what good does holding on to unforgiveness actually do? Like seriously, can anybody name one good thing about it? 
What does accomplish? What does it accomplish other than to destroy, to hinder, to poison, to compromise? Like, sometimes I think we walk around with a fence in our hearts and we, and we carry it and it's like rage. And, and we, we think by holding on to anger in its fullness that because it's valid, we can somehow make people know just what they did. But how many people you know, there's, you know, you could be walking around Birmingham furious at somebody and the other person doesn't even know. How silly is that? Why would you carry around what God never intended for you to carry around? Why would you receive over your life what God never intended for you to receive? Why wouldn't you lay down what God gives you the grace and the strength to lay down? Why wouldn't you? Aren't you tired? If, you've got, if you're in here today and you've got somebody who maybe you haven't spoke to for a long time or you haven't forgiven or you've never quite gotten over a conflict between you, are you not tired? Are you not tired? I, remember, like, I had a situation in my life where, where something happened between me and a relationship I was in and, and it was a situation that required a lot of forgiveness on my part and some on hers as well. But on my part, it required a lot of forgiveness. And I got to tell you, those times when I was angry, those times when I was mad, I was shattered. It's wearying. It's wearying for the soul. It's wearying for the mind. It's wearying for the heart. Lay it down. The word says, come to me, all ye who are weary, and I will give you rest. And I think it's talking about this as well. Lay it down. Don't carry it. Why would you? Lay it down and use your hands to carry something else. Carry the anointing. Carry the favor of God. Carry your purpose. Carry your mission. Walk into your life and be a representative for Jesus to everybody you meet. Don't carry around unforgiveness because that's something that the enemy has given you. God never gave that to you. God give you grace. And then the last kind of point on this is unforgiveness. It actually jeopardizes our eternity can jeopardize our eternity. In, in, the, uh, in the parable that we just read, when, when he says, oh, you wicked servant, the, the root word in Greek is poneros, and it's, it's the same root word that's used in elsewhere in the Bible where we hear the enemy referred to as the evil one. And it's the same root word that's used in the scripture that talks about if somebody com- you know, commits evil against you, turn the other cheek give them your other cheek. So I think it's really interesting that this word is used here because it's also used in an illustration of what it is to show grace. So we've got an interesting comparison there. Are we going to be poneros or are we going to be gracious? I think we have a choice. And the thing is as well, unforgiveness actually says, I don't trust God to justify me and therefore I must justify myself. I don't trust God to justify me, therefore I must justify myself. It may not be a conscious choice, but in our actions, that's what it says. Because actually forgiveness is an exercise of trust. We trust the character of God to protect our reputation, to protect our good future, to protect our relationships, to restore and revitalize and heal that area of hurt. And if we don't hand it over to him, that's a lack of trust. That says, I don't trust you to justify me. I must justify myself by holding on to this. That is how I'll be justified. Whereas God just goes, you know, I, I made you justified. We have an opportunity and we need not take it lightly. Actually, I think God sometimes looks at us when we say, but God, I am justified in feeling like this. I think God sometimes looks at us and says, do you really want justice? 
What do you want for your life? How many of us walk around wanting justice for everybody else but grace for ourselves? And the simple truth is we cannot expect to receive grace over our own lives and withhold it from somebody else. No, that which has been given to us, we have an obligation to pay forward. In verse 35 of that parable, it talks about forgiveness. You did not forgive. And that same root word for forgiveness means to release, to keep no longer, and to cancel a debt. So let me just say, it's not also, it is not a case of just waiting for an apology. People will walk around for years not forgiving people because, well, I'm just waiting for them to repent. What if Jesus had waited until we all repented before he went to the cross? I think we'd still be in a pretty rough place. No, no, Jesus went to the cross so that we would be forgiven. So that we would walk in freedom. So that we could be released of this thing. So we need to mimic that grace, that posture. We say, you know what? They may not have repented yet, but I forgive them in Jesus' name. Anything that is lacking, that I feel I'm lacking from them in response to it, I can receive that from my Father in heaven, from whom all good and perfect things come from. Because if this person was walking hand in hand with Jesus, the way that I want to walk hand in hand with Jesus, in time, he will work on their heart. The only thing I need to worry about is my heart. Very good. It's my heart. We forgive first, we receive the blessing from God, and we move on. We move on. I want to talk about Nelson Mandela briefly. He was an anti-apartheid, revolutionary, civil rights activist who sought through governmental disruption and acts of resistance to, to bring an end to apartheid that had been put in place by a majority white government in South Africa. As a result of his efforts and his activism, he was locked up in jail for 27 years. It was a big surge in public feeling to to have him released towards the end of his time, and ultimately he was released. But he came out to a country that was tearing itself apart with riots and violence and unrest, civil unrest. And the people whose side he was on, the people who were literally had been oppressed for years and years and years, people of color. They expect, there were certain groups of them that expected him as a leader to be a certain way. They expected him to be violent and furious and to come out with the posture of a man who had been unlawfully locked up for 27 years. They were angry on his behalf and angry for themselves. And when he got released from jail, their leader, he went and he broadcast on, on television and he had some interesting things to say. So this is from the film uh, Mandela, A Long Walk to Freedom. So if we could play that video, please, guys. Mandela, no peace. 
gave us weapons, not peace. Here is my answer. There is only one way forward, and that is peace. I know that is not what you want to hear, but there is no other way. As long as I am your leader, I am going to tell you always when you are wrong. And I tell you now, you are wrong. I have given my life to the struggle. I've been willing to die. I have lost 27 years of my life in prison. But I tell you now, I have forgiven them. If I can forgive them, then you can forgive them. That's great. Thank you, guys. When I was listening and watching that film for the first time, I thought almost every word of that could come from our own father's mouth. Nelson Mandela also said, he said, resentment or bitterness, he said it's like swallowing poison and expecting somebody else to die. It's like swallowing poison and expecting somebody else to die. But how, how much does this sound like our father's voice? There is only one way forward, and that is peace. I know that is not what you want to hear, but there is no other way. I have given my life to the struggle. I've been willing to die. I've lost 27 years of my life in prison, but I tell you now, I have forgiven them. And if I can forgive them, then you can forgive them. I thought a lot about what to say in conclusion um, today, but I thought it would even be stronger just to tell you what the Bible says. <laughs> Ephesians 4, starting at verse 1. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle and patient and bearing one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It talks about people that don't do that and it says they are separated from the life of God due to the ignorance that is within them due to their hardness of heart. And he says, but that is not the way that life that you learned when you were taught about Jesus in accordance with the truth. And then it finishes in verse 26, the section that I'm looking at. It says, in your anger, do not sin and don't let the sun go down on your anger. So that's pretty unequivocal, isn't it? Are you guys okay? Okay. So some real quick practicalities before we come into land. Just know that it may not be easy but it's not supposed to be impossible. To forgive somebody may not be easy, but it shouldn't be impossible. It's a daily rhythm. 
some of those big things that you need to forgive, it's not just going to be one and done. It's not going to be, I forgive them, Lord, and then you never have to think about that again. It's, it, for a lot of situations, it's going to be every day you need to forgive them all over again because your flesh and your heart will rebel. But we submit it to the will of our spirit. So this is what forgiveness looks like when it's tough. And it's, Lord, help me to forgive them. I know I'm supposed to forgive them. I'm finding it really tough, but I choose to forgive them in Jesus' name. Would you help me to work on my heart? Would you comfort me? Would you heal me of this hurt so that I can walk in the forgiveness that I've given them and I hold no grudge against this person any longer? That's what it looks like. Practically, I think a good way, a good principle to live by is, is there's only two ways, two responses we should ever have to a grievance, ever. It's either small enough to let it go, or it's big enough that your journey of forgiveness is going to take some work, but you're committed to it. So it's either small enough to let it go, big enough to talk about it. There's no in-between. There's no, it's too big for me to let it go, but it's not big enough for me to address it. You cannot walk around expecting people to figure out why you're mad at them. And we are committed, we are obliged to move towards people in mercy, in forgiveness. And, and you should just know as well that your pain, this doesn't make your pain invalid. Nor should you recklessly open up your heart to consistently being hurt by the same person or the same situation. But we need to do it anyway. Let us not think that, that Jesus found it easy to come to the cross. Let us not think that Jesus did not suffer pain. Let us not think that just because he's God and we're people that we've got a different reason. Jesus was fully man. He was fully man. He was fully grieved. He knows, God knows that mercy is better than judgment. That's the truth. And he asks us to model that same thing. There's a prayer in the scriptures that says, Restore to me, O Lord, the joy of my salvation. The more committed we are to delighting in the Lord daily, to, to being filled with the Holy Spirit, to creating space to, to consistently rediscover the joy of our salvation, how excited and how much we love God when we first got saved. Let's not, let's not get lazy with it. Let's not, let's not just coast. Let's not get apathetic. The more we root ourselves in the joy of the Lord, that is our strength, the easier these things are. But even for the really difficult ones, God will still give you grace. Yeah. So in closing, Jesus hung on a cross for you and for me. He was beaten and he was bloodied beyond recognition. He felt the full weight of every sin and every evil act that had ever been committed and would ever be committed. It was all laid upon him. He was humiliated and he was made a public spectacle. He died on the cross, suffering a death he never deserved and suffering an indignity that he never earned. He went to the cross with eyes open, fully aware of the horrors that were ahead of him. And he did it so that we would be forgiven. He did it so that we would be forgiven. He did it so that we would be forgiven. It was an act of grace unlike any that had come before or any that will ever come afterward. Rather than risk our witness, our wholeness, our eternity, let us walk in the fullness of what God has for us, church. 
Let's walk in the fullness. Fullness is always better. Fullness is always better. Let's lay down bitterness. Let's lay that burden down. Let's forgive as we have been forgiven. The answer, as always, is to be found in Him. In preparation for today, I, I sought the Lord on, on what I believed He would be trying to do this morning and, and I wanted to be in step with that. And, and He gave me a really keen sense that as a response today, um, there was a response required of us because he, he was going to heal some situations that had been affecting people for years. So I think there's some, that a lot of us in this room today will have an opportunity to lay down some situations. So I think we need to be obedient in that. So as you came in, you would have noticed that there is cards and pens on most of the chairs in here. The purpose of that is, I believe, an actual physical response is a good thing to do and is something that God has led me towards. So this, we will protect the integrity of this as, as a leadership, I promise you. But what we want to do is in a moment, we're gonna play some music. And I believe as we leave some space that the Holy Spirit is going to continue to minister to people. And what you have an opportunity to do with that card is to write the name of a person or a situation Fold it up so that it's protected and, and nobody needs to see it. And you have an opportunity when you feel led to come and lay it down at the front. A physical laying down of that situation at the altar for God. And I believe that God is going to give you the strength to do it. So as the music plays, guys, please, uh, if you could cue up the music. I, I encourage you to take a few minutes and just speak to God and tell him how you feel. Tell him where you are with this situation and ask him for the grace to lay it down. And then when you feel like you want to do that, you're welcome to come and just lay those cards down here at the front. I'm just going to pray for us as we do that. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the forgiveness and the grace that we have been given. Thank you for all that you've done and all that you are. Help us to trust you implicitly and open our heart to your work in every area of our lives. Help us to embody forgiveness and grace and mercy just as you embodied forgiveness and grace and mercy. Lord, help us to release those that we feel are in our debt, that we feel owe us an apology, Lord. We're probably just trying to find from them what we should only find from you anyway, which is justification, which is identity, which is wholeness, which is fullness. So Lord, would you minister to your children? Would you minister to your church today as we gather? And would you give us the strength and the grace and the love to lay these situations down? In Jesus' name. Just leave a few minutes, guys.